you just hit the nail on the head, right? Because it is that, that awareness and that becoming the observer of the symptoms that are happening in your body, of the emotions that you have, of everything that's kind of coming up for you, of your thoughts, like everything it's, it's taking that awareness to consciously step back and be like, okay, well, obviously this, the, something's wrong. Like what is happening? How can I like track? How can I kind of change things to be in a way that actually favors me instead of hinders me, you know? Mm-hmm. Like the biggest thing I can offer is just having that compassion and gentleness for yourself when you're doing that. And we're often our biggest critics. So I'll go back to if you, if you were your own best friend, like how would you talk to yourself? If your friend was feeling in pain or was feeling sick, I doubt any of us would be super harsh on her or tell her to like, stop it. Just, just cut it out. Like, this is ridiculous. You would probably nurture her and say like, Hey, what can I do for you? How can I help you? So I would encourage you to do that same thing with yourself. Hi, and welcome to the Endo Babe podcast. I'm your host, Chelsea Bree. I'm an ultrasound tech turned endometriosis coach, positivity and self-love advocate, a seven on the Enneagram, and I am a proud dog mom. And I'm on a mission to help you live more positively with endometriosis and be happy in your body. On the Endobabe podcast, we're going to dive deep into all things endometriosis, mindset, self-love, health, and so much more. This is a badass podcast for badass endobabes, and I want you to leave this podcast feeling inspired and empowered on your own health journey with more confidence and the belief that you too can have more good days than bad. Are you with me, babes? See you in the podcast. All right. So welcome to another episode of the Endo Babe Podcast. I'm so excited. Today we have Morgan Fazio. She's a certified health coach and a personal trainer, and she really has this passion for helping women optimize their digestion and really balance their hormones and feel their best in their bodies without like really strict diets or these like harsh exercise routines. Right. And, um, she has this wonderful journey of stopping birth control and overcoming really painful issues, such as like endometriosis, which I know a lot of you obviously relate with, um, (laughs) me as well. Um, and just really just overcoming those painful issues, right. In a way that was healthy for her and her mindset and her body. And she does the same with her clients now. And she leverages intuitive eating and holistic health and mindset and movement and all of these like fun little aspects that we all know go into healing and managing painful conditions, such as like endometriosis and SIBO and leaky gut. And so I'm really excited to have you on today. So welcome, welcome Morgan. Thanks, Chelsea. Like I said, I was super honored and pumped to be here because I know you are somebody who specifically helped me with my journey with endometriosis. So I'm really excited to be joining you today and talking all the things endo. And um, I really know how taxing, just like yourself, this like emotionally taxing getting diagnosed can be. And also, and once you get diagnosed, like, what do you do? And um, I, I feel fortunate that I was able to get diagnosed within like two years within or after stopping the birth control pill. But I know so many women take so much longer than that. And like the average time is like seven to 10 years. So while I really have a special place in my heart for like helping women who are struggling with symptoms of endometriosis, heal their body, 
um, without diets too. That's why I really leverage intuitive eating because I feel like dieting just adds this extra layer of stress and you're trying to like control something that maybe really doesn't need to be controlled, especially when you're trying to deal with endometriosis, if that makes sense. Because so many of us tend to turn to food and exercise first to try to control and feel better, but it really has nothing to do with that when we stop and think about it, right? So true. Like those, and I have so many clients that do just that, right? Because the the physical tangible things like the diets and the exercise and the, the things that we can actually like manipulate in our lives kind of give us that sense of control back. Um, and I was just speaking with another woman earlier because the restrictive approach to managing endometriosis, like the endo diet is complete bullshit, right? It just yeah. it causes more harm than good. And a lot of people don't have to manage their endo in such a restrictive way. And so I'm, I actually would love to chat a little bit about that today. Um, but first let's give everybody a little overview of who you are and how you got into doing what you do now. Awesome. So I got, I guess, short version, like really into, I've always had a passion for health and wellness. And I did start very much heavily entrenched in like diet culture when I was in college, you know, like going away to school was pretty tough because I was starting to get comments about my changing body and gained that like dreaded freshman 15. Right. But looking back on it, it's like our bodies are literally designed to change and go through these seasons. And like, it was a good thing. I was starting to like put on more weight, but it's just seen as this bad thing. Um, and that really led me down this path of like diet culture, being really obsessed about exercising, really into like heavy, like obsessing about calories and watching macronutrients and weighing food and all of the things I'm sure like many women relate to, especially in college when that really starts to pick up. Um, but I, from there, I think just realized how much I had a passion for, for health and wellness even though it was kind of like the actions were being directed in the wrong space, in my opinion, now looking back on it. Um, then I got into, um, I'm, I'm a, I have a, a bachelor's of science in engineering and management and also got a master's in business. So I went to work for corporate America for about 10 years. Um, while I was working, I got certified as a health coach and a personal trainer. And it wasn't until um, last year in October when I decided to take my business full time. Um, and one of the reasons being is that I was actually struggling so much with my health, probably a, a year leading up to that because of endometriosis and realizing so much about not only like how to help myself, but how much there is a need to help other women do the same thing, especially when it comes to like being the authority on their body again and looking to things outside of food and exercise for like your, your overall well-being. Because so, like we just said, like so much of our culture is so deeply entrenched in diet culture. So we immediately turn to food and exercise, to like fix ourselves, quote unquote, fix ourselves, because we, we need fixing according to diet culture. Um, and we can't just like exist and be happy and like move our bodies in ways that feel good to us and eat in ways that feel good to us. So I really found this passion for teaching women the process of intuitive eating and connecting back and coming home to themselves and becoming the authority on their body and figuring out what feels good to them and starting to measure health in all of these new ways. So really detaching meaning from the scale and your weight and bringing it back into like, how do you physically feel in your body? Cause isn't that what matters when we actually think about life, like how you want to experience life. I know that for me, I wanna be energized and feel good and feel like I can depend on my body. 
Um, and in saying that, I didn't feel like I could depend on my body when I was going through all the symptoms and trying to get diagnosed with endometriosis. So I guess also trying to make a long story short, I stopped birth control in um, early 2019. And that's when everything really just started happening for me. I thought it would be this great experience of like stopping these added hormones coming into my body, but it was the complete opposite. I felt awful. I was getting really intense bloating to the point where I couldn't button my pants and that, that endo belly we talk about, it, it was, it was awful to go through like feeling that way and just feeling like I, I had no idea what was causing it. And I ended up going to so many doctors over that next year, getting poked and prodded colonoscopies, like blood work, um, ultrasounds, and they could find nothing. Nothing was wrong. I was told probably really common things that other women are, are told as well. Like, oh, are you sure this isn't in your head? Are you just stressed out? Um, maybe you should go back on the pill. Maybe you should look at your diet. Like, are you eating too much sugar? All of this stuff. And it just, like, have you been told the sugar thing before you stop eating sugar? Um, no, I haven't actually heard that one, but it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Again, like kind of going back to the earlier point we made about sometimes it, yes, I'm sure food like plays like a small factor, right? Like food is like medicine to some extent, but when you're dealing with endometriosis and trying to get diagnosed, like there's so many other things to focus on outside of food. And no matter what you eat or no matter what I ate, I felt like I was still feeling that way because it really doesn't have anything to do with food. Like there's another problem going on. So I was just getting really disheartened by doctors, not, not really offering a lot of value. And I remember this was like actually the first turning point for me when I started going to intuitive eating was I was told by a doctor the whole sugar thing. And I was like, he just doesn't understand. Like I've tried all of this stuff. I'm literally hitting my head against a wall here. And I'm talking to one friend about this. And she goes, you know what? You just really need to listen to them more. Like they're doctors that you need to just do what they're saying. And that was the first time I was like, you know what? I, I am listening to them, but I just don't agree with what they're saying because my body is telling me like something else. And I trust my body more than I trust this doctor. And a doctor could have 30 medical degrees and I could still know more about my own body than that doctor does. And that's not me discounting like science or, you know, the medical field in any way, because obviously like they were a huge part in helping me like get the surgery I needed to get rid of the endo. But it's just basically saying like, you know, your body best. And when you can start owning that and really like speaking up for yourself you're going to be able to get diagnosed that much faster than trying to like go through the ringer on like trying to cut out sugar and just like basically bashing your head against the wall with no results. Does that make sense? That makes complete sense. And it's something that I talk about all the time and something that I didn't really realize until I worked in the medical field for myself, right? Is that like doctors are human. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the time, like they don't have all of the information that they need to make a proper diagnosis, you know, or they don't, they don't have the knowledge that of endometriosis in general. Right. And so just because they're recommending something for you, doesn't mean that you have to take it. Doesn't mean that that's your only choice. And if they're saying that your pain's in your head, your pain is literally never in just in your head. If you're feeling pain, it's a real thing, you know, and you know, your body, you hit the nail on the head there. Like, you know, your body better than anybody else does. Um, so thank you for sharing all of that. There's so many little things that I want to touch on <laughs> in your story because it's, it was so relatable. And I was like, I, I, 
very relatable to like my journey as well, right? Because that connecting back to our bodies and improving our quality of life is so important and should be like the backbone of how we are managing endometriosis, you know, because we are told that all of that pain is in our head. And so we're gaslit for so long. And so we actually start to believe that maybe I am a burden. Maybe I am making this up. Maybe I am wrong, you know, and you start to question your own body and your own beliefs. And it just kind of sends you on this like mind fuck of like being told all these things and being like, something's not adding up, you know? Um, yeah. And it just, what was that like for you? Did you kind of have those feelings as well? Oh yeah. And I actually think, um, I think women in general have high pain tolerances is what I'm learning through all of this. And I was never like in a ton of pain. And if I was, maybe it was like a select handful of times, which is why I think I kept getting like pushed to the side by doctors. Cause I was always describing it as uncomfortable. I was like, I'm just constantly uncomfortable. And maybe that's how my body registers pain, but I honestly have a lot more pain after surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, I know like you had talked about the similar stuff and that's not talked about as much as it should be either. But, yeah. um, I, I was just, before I got diagnosed, like constantly feeling like I had this weight in my uterus. That's like the way I describe it. I felt like I had like a 50 pound dumbbell, just like stuffed down there. And I had no idea like how to get rid of it. Um, some days it would be just really hard to even want to eat anything. Cause I just felt like there was too much going on in there. It was like, things were fighting for space. It's kind of, I just felt like I had so much inflammation and I had no idea what was causing it. Did you ever have this similar feelings? Um, so I didn't ever have that like weighted feeling, but I have some clients that have had that before. Right. I always had pain that was like all over abdomen pain that wasn't ever related to my periods. My periods were really heavy, but they weren't necessarily painful. Um, but that all over abdomen pain would come out of nowhere and make me almost pass out. So I'd be like driving and have to pull over my car (laughs) because I was going to pass out. Um, and it's so hard it's hard when you are like searching for a diagnosis, because like you just said, like, if you don't have enough pain or if on the other end, if you come in there and you're like in excruciating pain, they're like, I don't believe her. I don't believe her. You know, it's like, if you have too much or not enough, like they don't believe you. And it's really like a a medical system issue and biases and like all of these things that we, it's probably a conversation for another time. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I also think because of the, like, the symptoms I was describing, I was diagnosed with IBS and it was just like this blanket statement, right. Of like, Oh, we don't know what to do with you. So here you're going to get diagnosed with IBS. And I had that label since I was 18, to be honest. So I probably, I had these symptoms since I was first gone away to college, but I was put on birth control so fast that I think it, it suppressed it a lot. Um, I was on birth control for over 10 years. And then I went off it, started having all of these problems. And I actually ended up um, a year after getting off birth control, I was diagnosed with SIBO and leaky gut. And I later found out that that was kind of uh, for two reasons and maybe like a little bit of other reasons. I don't think anything's really black and white, but the big contributing things were birth control. I found out really disrupts your gut microbiome and changes your gut flora and also like makes the intestinal walls a lot more permeable and thus leaky gut. And also endometriosis 
contributes to things like SIBO and leaky gut because of like the tight um, pelvic floor adhesions too. It's yeah. altering your gut motility and all the things. So I ended up getting diagnosed with SIBO and leaky gut first. And then I had to, I was like trying to treat those things without actually addressing the endo yet. Cause that, that came a couple months later. Yeah. And I'm sure a lot of women listening probably have a very similar experience to you because when we are like in our early teen, late teens, whatever, you know, you go to the doctor, you say you're having symptoms. They're like, yeah, birth control. And you're like, cool birth control. You know, I feel, um, I was speaking to Nina, Nina boy, she was like excited to get on birth control. Like she couldn't wait, you know, and it is, it's just a band-aid solution. And so instead of addressing what was actually going on, the root issues, like any of that, um, you're on birth control for 10 years or however long you're on it. And then you come off and all of the symptoms that have had a bandaid on top of them for the last 10 years kind of just start to overflow. And, um, it, I know a lot of women are probably like, okay, well, if this birth control that I'm on is impairing my gut health, right? Like if it's in, if it's just a bandaid solution, it's not doing anything for my endometriosis. Like what can I do for my endometriosis and my gut health and things like that. So with, that in mind, what would you recommend? Um, what would you do for like your gut health if you're still dealing with endometriosis? Mm-hmm. I guess, well, the first thing, if you can, I would first try to address the endo, right? Because yeah. that really might be the root cause. And I know there's multiple ways to do that, but the way that I did was through surgery. Um, but I, I fully understand, like, maybe not everybody can afford surgery or even like find a doctor that they trust to like do that because there are very, very limited numbers of them, right? I think you'd even talked about this before. Not many people are trained in doing the excision surgery that you really need to to, to help the, the most. Otherwise it's just going to keep trying to come back. Um, but with with some other things, like if you're if you're really not able to address the endo or, or get the surgery, then there are certain steps you can take to try to repair your gut health. One would be just to come off the birth control pill, but I know that can be kind of a catch 22 if like you're trying to combat symptoms of endometriosis. So you come off the birth control pill, it's gonna make that more prevalent. So I would just try to like build up your your pain toolkit and that can be a variety of things. So I really like using like the, the CBD rollers. I don't know if you've used those before, But whenever I have like those little flare ups, I just take that, rub it all over my abdomen. I try to be in like a nice calm place if I can. Um, I know sometimes like you're at work and you really just can't escape. So then just deep breathing and trying to send like, basically send your breath to the pain location to try to support as much as you can that area. Um, If you are able to like be at home and do whatever you'd like, maybe like a hot bath. I know like heat usually helps my muscles relax and feel more at ease. Um, So once you find those things that work for your pain, I think then it's transitioning to, okay, how can I start tightening the junctions back up in my gut? Because that's really what's going on with leaky gut is you have this like intestinal permeability right now. So there's basically some stuff's getting through the intestinal lining. So we want to start tightening that back up. And what I always recommend first um, is some kind of bone broth or just a way to get some collagen to, to start helping us do just that. Um, so whether it's bone broth or you can even drink, uh, my favorite is flow water. They have collagen infused flow water, which is great because I'll do like one of those every so often. And it's perfect. I like that the alkaline water, which is another thing I started doing after endosurgery actually. And that was really helpful. 
Um, but there's like a lot of little things that we can do that don't, they're not any supplements. It's not any crazy like pills you gotta be on. It's all like natural ways of just figuring out what works for your body and helping her to heal um, and really adding in. I know Nina, Nina also talks about that. We talked about it on her podcast a little bit, but rather than asking yourself, like, what do I need to take out? Which is usually our first, our first um, way of, of, of healing. Cause that's how we've been trained with diet cultures. Like, okay, what do I need to cut out to feel better? Say, okay, no, no. What more do I need to add in to support my healing? Exactly. I, I teach that um, to all of my clients. I call it the abundance mindset, right? Because it's not, what do I need to cut out? It's okay. How can I add more things into my diet? What can I be eating to support my health and support my gut and support my hormones, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I know you mentioned something in the very beginning, you're like eating. It doesn't really matter if you're like eating really well, if your gut health isn't in check, like you could be eating the most perfect diet and not have like a GI tract that's functioning correctly. And so none of your symptoms will be relieved from that, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. and I think it is really interesting. I was reading an article, um, where they were saying that there's research pointing to endometriosis possibly being triggered by like being a microbial disease from the gut, Mm -hmm. because a lot of women that have endometriosis first have like gut infections or like, yeah, things like that. Um, And so, yeah, I think really leaning into that, supporting your GI tract and supporting your gut through nutrition and mindfulness and like all of these other aspects that go into living well with endo is so important. Yeah. And I think really just, this is, this is what I geek out on in my programs is tuning into your body and trusting yourself as the authority again, because again, diet culture has taught us over and over and over again, how we can't trust our bodies. Cause basically if you're dieting, you're not trusting your body and diets are rules and programs that you're following. And you basically are like tuning off your, or turning off your intuition when you're doing that. And basically all the biological stuff that we were born with to be able to, to live our life, we're, we're just shutting it off. And that process, the more you do it, the more disconnected you become from yourself. So I, I think walking that back with my clients is always such an interesting process because now we get to basically treat yourself like your own best friend and really like learn how to listen again to what's going on. And I like to say every symptom is a really powerful cry for healing. Or if you could, even if you're just new and starting this and trying to like get curious about what this looks like, ask yourself, like if this symptom were a question, what would it be asking of me? Like, what would it want for me? Is it rest? Is it to be a little bit safer? Is it to slow down? Like there's usually so many answers to that question and it's different for every single person and every single symptom that you have. And then it's really like we talked about building that toolkit around what you might need when those different things come up. And we also touched on this at the beginning a little bit, but our culture has become so entrenched in diet culture that we quickly look to fix the symptom or what we're feeling um, with food and exercise. But when we use those methods to regain control, we, we feel like we're regaining control, but we're really not. Um, or we use them to find like some semblance of goodness um, when everything else in our life feels stressful and chaotic or just out of control, like hence emotional eating. Um, and I just little, pause here. I don't think emotional eating is a bad thing for the record. I think we're allowed to choose to eat emotionally. Um, But the problem becomes when we don't have the ability to sit with our emotions 
and we use food or really anything as our only coping mechanism, or we use food or something else to escape. Um, it's which is different from a distraction. And I find that a lot, especially with people who are suffering from endo pain, they often try to suppress or bypass or escape what's going on in their body rather than truly processing and trying to like basically befriend their body. Because when we have to sit with our discomfort sometimes and really process and ask ourselves what's going on um, in order to truly move forward and be able to, to heal. Is that making sense? That makes complete sense. And I mean, it really, it does. I see it a lot with my clients too, right? Because it really does come from a lack of safety or feeling safe in your body because you have this pain and if you don't feel safe around food, you don't feel safe around movement, you don't feel safe in your own skin. So trying to control all of these other things, instead of actually taking a step back and real, like looking at your emotions, looking at all of the things that could be tying into this and helping yourself find safety um, yeah. is so important. So what would you, um, for somebody that is feeling like really deep emotions with endometriosis, which I'm sure a lot of us are, right? And mm -hmm. especially in the beginning when you're either trying to get a diagnosis or you were just diagnosed and you're angry or you're really sad or really upset. And instead of feeling those emotions, or I guess how, what would you, how would you recommend people process those emotions is what I'm asking. Absolutely. This is, this is actually one of my, my favorite questions. And this is something I usually walk only my private pain clients through, but I think it's really important. Like I said, I know you and I both have a special place in our heart for endo patients and people trying to get diagnosed because it, it's really, really tough. And you often have a ton of intense feelings. So sitting with those uncomfortable emotions and processing them is, is really key, but it's extremely hard work to do it. Um, but it's really some of the most freeing work that you can do. And in order to process emotions, I really have first like a three-step process and then some buckets I walk people through for developing tools in each bucket. So the first one is like asking yourself, like, what are you feeling? Right? So we have to get clear about what it is you feel first before we can talk about processing the feeling. And sometimes that can feel like a hard question to answer, to be quite honest, because with endo, you might be even feeling a lot, like you may have a lot of feels all at once. And I know that that came up for me at a certain point after surgery. Um, I can, I can talk about that after, but you really want to start and get, get grounded and scan your body. If you're struggling to answer that question. So starting in your head, like noticing your thoughts, dropping from your head to your heart and noticing like what's going on in your chest. How is your breathing? Are you struggling to, to breathe fully? Um, is it long and slow breaths? And then kind of like drop into your gut. And that's, we often have like the um, receptors in our gut to like that gut intuition. So you might feel some feelings in there. Um, whatever it is, like figure out what that feeling is for you, name it. Um, and this is the second step, which is separate yourself from the emotion. And that's really key because you are not your feelings. You are not sadness. You are not anger. You are not depression. You're feeling those things. So to get that separation is so important because it lets us actually sit back and look at it and examine it and not let it make meaning about ourselves, right? Because so often as humans, we love to make meaning out of things. And when we're yes. feeling a certain way, we tend to be like, oh, like I am depressed and therefore I'm an awful person, right? It's like, oh no, no, you are just feeling depressed and we need to process those feelings and really get at the root of what's going on and try to have you 
like find different ways to process. And that's where we get to this third step, which is what do you need to process? And there's four different categories, which I love. And it's up to you to choose like which category you need. And the great thing is for all the perfectionists out there, there is no such thing as like this perfect self-care roadmap. Like it's really totally up to you and make it individualized. Um, and I don't have anything that says like, oh, if you're feeling anxious, you need this, right? It's a toolkit that's meant to be up to you. So the first one is, is support. So that can even be things like, like this, Chelsea, like you're listening to a podcast where you find helpful tips from, or you can work with a coach or you can call a friend or you, if you're religious or you have any kind of like spiritual practice, like turn to that, um, or even go on clubhouse. It's a great new app. I'm really enjoying it. Cause you can find anything you like and just go listen in. Um, the second thing might be self-care. So we, I think we tend to think of self-care as like bubble baths and face masks and stuff, but it can be so much more. It can even be like setting boundaries with people because boundaries are more about preserving your energy than they are about other people. So do you need to set a boundary to preserve and protect yourself? Um, are you getting enough sleep? Um, do you need to get more fresh air? Are you, do you enjoy running? Like maybe you go for a run. Um, the third thing, which I found very helpful when I was dealing with really tough um, endo pain was really dealing directly, which is fully feeling the feeling. So I want to say here that it's okay to feel your feelings. I know some of us are sometimes brought up thinking that it's not okay, or we need to be tough or, you know, just don't cry, like don't show that side of yourself, but it's a really powerful thing to just feel. And some ways you can do that might be like writing a letter to yourself or the feeling or whatever it is that's calling to you. Or my favorite is listening to music that matches what I'm feeling. So if I'm feeling really sad, then I just need a good cry song. Like I'm going to go find my favorite cry song and let out all the tears. Or if I'm really pissed off, like maybe I'm going to put my headphones in and listen to some like screaming band, which I hate, but I'm going to just rage run down the road as fast as I can. Right. I don't know if that makes sense to you, but it totally does. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's also kind of fun. Like when you, when you yeah. look at it that way, um, maybe not so fun when you're in the sadness and stuff, but it's powerful to let yourself just be there and don't, you're not trying to change anything. You're just literally being and trusting what you're feeling is, is okay to feel that way. Um, and then the last thing, which is also one of, one of my favorite categories, I think I've said that like three times now, but it's, it's distraction. And I want to say this is different than escaping, but it is so important and distractions almost demonize sometimes, or we think like we shouldn't do this. Like I see even on Instagram, some influencers saying like, oh, how you spend your time is the way you're going to tell your success in your life. Like, so don't be on Netflix. Like, you know, sometimes I actually need to be on Netflix because I can't sit here and process every single emotion I'm feeling 24 seven. Like sometimes I actually need to, to shut my brain off and just be right. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's the distinction there is distractions, not escaping because with distraction, I'm saying, okay, like I don't really have the bandwidth right now to process this heavy thing that I'm feeling. Maybe I got home from a, a stressful day of work and I'm just kind of tapped out then I'm choosing to address it later. Like I just, I want a distraction right now to recharge, like let myself just sit without having to work on this processing piece, but I'm going to come back to it. Escaping is like suppressing it constantly or trying to run away from it. And with the idea that you're never going to fully address it. 
Does that right. make sense? Yeah. It's kind of like pushing it down inside and going numb instead mm-hmm. of distracting yourself and coming back to that feeling later, you know, cause I, that's like an anxiety tool as well. Like I'm feeling really anxious right now, but I, I don't have the mental bandwidth to process this anxiety right now. And so I am going to schedule anxiety time tomorrow, tomorrow morning at 8 PM <laughs> tomorrow night at 8 PM. <laughs> and right now I'm going to watch Netflix, you know? And so you can kind of like push those thoughts and those feelings and emotions away because you're right. Like you are not your emotions, your thoughts or your feelings. Like you are separate from them. Like you are a human. And yeah. I love that. I love all of the four steps or what was it? Three steps to processing deep emotions, like such an important tool to have, especially like with endometriosis, right? So if anybody's listening, like definitely go back, rewind, write this all down (laughs) and use it. Because, um, I think one thing that you did say is like learning to trust your emotions, right? Because, or trust that the emotions that you're having right now don't have to be forever and they don't have to be not felt. Does that make sense? Oh my gosh. Yes. And I actually have a perfect example that popped up in my head when you were talking because like you're, you're allowed to feel whatever it is you're feeling. So, and I think our culture, sometimes people like to try to comfort you by telling you not to feel that way or like give you reasons why you should be more positive. Right. I see that a lot. Um, and it happened to me when I had just had surgery, I was going for my follow-up visit. It was like two or three weeks later. And my doctor, I asked my husband to come in the room because what's been happening with me at that point was I was not able to retain for some reason. Mm-hmm. Cause I think I was still That's like common. emotionally a wreck, mm-hmm. uh, but he took notes for me and I read them afterwards. And it was basically the doctor saying, you are as normal as normal can be. Your endometriosis should be completely gone. It was everything I wanted to hear. It was like so much good news. And I was so sad and I don't, I didn't know why I got home and I was in this, this state of like talking to my parents and my husband and I was like crying and just like, I can't, I can't believe this. Like, what if it comes back? Like, this is too good to be true. And I had all of these, these fears just like popping up left and right. And I just was like, I should be happy right now. Like, this is literally everything I wanted to hear, but I can't like, I'm, I don't know what's going on, but what I did at that moment was. I, my parents were trying to comfort me by saying like, this is so good. Like, just be happy. You know, all the things I was like, I need, I need like some space for a minute. So I actually took the time to feel my feels and process and go journal. And that was like a really good tool for me that I ended up writing down, like, and I figured out that, okay, this is just my body's way of trying to keep me safe. Cause it's basically Mm -hmm. me saying like, I'm so happy I have this and I don't want to lose it. And that's why I'm getting upset is like, cause I think there's a possibility of I could lose it. And I had to really take the time to process that and work through it and really accept like, okay, what if it is possible that I could just feel better now? And what if it's possible that I have the tools and the understanding now, and if I don't, I can get them to navigate if other stuff pops up for me again, cause I've gone through it. And if it does, I'll cross that bridge when I get there. Is that making sense too? For sure. And I know that fear is so real. I know a lot of people have it after surgery. They have it before surgery, right? Like I have a lot of women I I chat with in the DMs. They're like, I have upcoming surgery, but what if they don't find it? You know, and they have this fear of, and you can either, I always like 
I always tell my clients, like you can either like feed the what if, the negative what if or the positive what if, right? And so you, each of those possibilities are completely possible in the future that we have no control over. (laughs) But right now, like which one do you want to feed, right? And it really goes into, I love what you said, like what if this could be possible for me, you know? And so you decided in that moment, you made that choice to choose the like positive what if and ask yourself better questions. Um, And it's just one of, I love journaling. I absolutely love journaling so much. And it's so, it is like a wonderful way. I like recommend it to all my clients because it's actually how I process my emotions, right? And my thoughts. And I do the exact same thing. Like if I'm feeling a certain way, like I'll just kind of sit down and like just start writing and I'll be like, oh, that's why I feel this way, (laughs) you know? And it's kind of like an awareness technique for me. I love uh, that. And I also love that you talked about the the negative what if and the positive what if, because that's a that's a pretty powerful exercise in itself, too, where we we start really playing into the positive what if and, and building that up in our head and and thinking about everything that could actually go right rather than letting the, the negative kind of control us and consume us. I mean, it's, it's good to address the negatives and understand like what you think is there. But I love how you put that. It was pretty beautifully yeah. put. Well, and I mean, it, it's, it's so true because I mean, we are humans. It's natural for our, for us to look at the negatives because, you know, in the, in the past we had to be looking out for the saber tooth tigers and be always on the lookout for all of the bad things that could kill us. But we live in 2021 right now, you know, and actually doing that, like this exercise, because our brains are plastic, which doesn't mean that they're like actual plastic. It means that we, <laughs> they can change and they can grow and you can create new like neurons and new like ways that your neurons fire and all of these things. You can create a new neural pathway by just yeah. thinking the positive what ifs, right? And it just starts out with like a one simple question and you're doing it over and over again, like strengthens that pathway to where it becomes easier and easier and easier for you to choose the positive what if over the negative what if it doesn't mean that the negatives go away it just means that you have stronger it makes it like easier like going to the gym you know you strengthen that positivity muscle it doesn't make the negatives go away it just makes it easier to move forward in the positivity yes actually I love that and I say that quite a bit in coaching that it's not about necessarily getting rid of thoughts it's about changing how we respond to the thought. And the more we practice that, just like you're saying, the less that old thought is going to really impact us. Like it might still show up, but the volume is either going to be so low or you're going to quickly know how to like move through it and and be like, okay, like I recognize that, like, here's where, here's what has worked for me in the past. And I'm just going to choose that. And, you know, maybe it'll take you like a minute to do that at first, and then it'll get to 30 seconds and it'll get to 10 seconds. And just the more you work on it, to your point, the, the easier it becomes. But I think that's the key, right, is it is work to do that. And it takes sitting in un- discomfort and being uncomfortable. But I think any kind of change, you're, you have to do that work. It doesn't just, like, you don't just get, like, this great feeling from nowhere. Like, you have to work yeah. at it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. And I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be a lot of work. You know, it's just, mm-hmm. it's the consciously choosing every single day to do a little bit of it or to like work on it a little bit, you know, and this is something that I do with my clients a lot because they're like, I feel like I'm not doing anything. And then three months later, they're like, holy shit, look how far I've come. 
And I'm like, yeah, you know, because it doesn't have to be these big, huge, hard things. It is work. It is work to bring your awareness and change your perception on things and make that conscious choice. It is work, but it's not, I mean, it's not completely difficult, you know, like Mm -hmm. people can do it. It's very, um, digestible, I guess. I don't know what we're asking for. Um, I actually love that too, because the work I find too got a lot easier for me when I started practicing in intuitive eating specifically, because it was so much more about partnering with myself. And when I started realizing, like, I didn't need to look outside of myself for answers that I literally have it all here. And that just made, like, it took so much pressure off. Um, and I guess specifically with endometriosis, I, one thing I also realized that was very helpful was no one feels a hundred percent, a hundred percent of the time. And mm-hmm. even after surgery, I had thought, and this is what we said, isn't talked about as much as it should be, but I thought I was supposed to feel like brand new. Cause that's mm-hmm. actually what women were telling me. I, I looked to some women who had had surgery before. I'm like, Oh my God, in three days, you're going to feel like completely new. You're going to feel so good. And it was three days and I could barely walk like a couple thousand steps. I, I was struggling and I just felt like, man, I'm not feeling hundred percent. So there's something wrong with me, but number one, my body's different than everybody else's. And, and two, like there is never going to be this place of, I feel perfect, right? Cause perfection doesn't exist. And there's, it's, it's normal not to feel your best. And it's, it's normal to have days where you maybe feel a little bit bloated, or maybe like you get tired. Like we're, we're human beings, as you said earlier, and that's, that's totally normal. It is totally normal. And I, I, I agree with you hundred percent. I feel like people go into like Facebook groups and things like that. And they try to get blanket statements for how they're feeling and how they're supposed to be feeling afterwards. Right. Because it it seems like all of our illnesses should be the same, but every single person that I've talked to, nobody has the same presentation of endometriosis. Nobody has the same symptoms. Nobody has the same recovery time, you know, and it's completely normal for it to be different for you than it is for somebody else, but also completely normal for it not to take, for it to take up to a year to feel like yourself again, you know, and something that I experienced, and we were talking about this a little bit before we started recording is like, I had really bad left side pain, um, before my surgery, before my excision surgery in 2019. And I've always kind of had that left side pain, but, um, because it had been so many years of that pain signal being in my left side, right. That pain signal was like rewired and rewired to that area. So even though Dr. Garza went in and removed all the scar tissue and the adhesions and the endometriosis from that area, even to this day, I still get some left side pain, you know, and it's because I have a rewire, like I have a pain pathway that is like wired to go to that area. And it just because the, you know, everybody's so different, you know, and so depending on the length of time that you've gone without surgery, how severe your illness is, you know, if what stage you are, um, how much damage it's actually doing to your body, you know, even if you've had it out, like you're going to have these pain pathways that could be causing you more pain. And so it is normal for you to possibly be feeling like absolute garbage sometimes after surgery, you know, because surgery can fix some things, but it doesn't fix everything. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I, I had that same similar pain, yeah. the, the left side, but I think it's also, um, I don't know if you, you had it on, um, 
your ball or anything like that but mm -hmm. mine was attached there and it was on my bladder and outside my uterus obviously and like kind of my abdominal cavity and I think that was what was I was having so many problems going to the bathroom and I think that's where that fullness was really coming into mm -hmm. play and like the pressure I felt constantly so after surgery I remember being in like a lot of pain trying to go to the bathroom and also um having that, the, I, I thought it was like ovary pain, which I think now it's turning into like, I'm having issues when I'm ovulating where I'll get like pain for maybe three or four days and then it subsides. But now that's my new normal. So what's actually helped me is, is more to be an observer of, of my body rather than judge her and say, okay, like what, what are the trends I'm starting to see? And then I can start to like say, all right, is it, is it really deviating much every month? Um, and if it is like, maybe I, that's something I bring up to my doctor, but I'm, I'm really fortunate. I found a really great doctor who, who basically gave me these tools and said, just start taking notice. Like, and if you start finding like, this is the new normal baseline for you, because I think after endosurgery, you do have to kind of figure out what's normal for women now. Cause you thought this was normal perhaps for a long time. And now you're figuring out you had endo. So now you got to come out of endosurgery and be like, all right, so how am I actually supposed to feel? You know, like what's, what's a normal cycle? Yeah. <laughs> that was kind of exactly. foreign to me too. Well, and I, I think you just hit the nail on the head, right? Because it is that, that awareness and that becoming the observer of the symptoms that are happening in your body, of the emotions that you have, of everything that's kind of coming up for you, of your thoughts, like everything it's, it's taking that awareness to consciously step back and be like, okay, well, obviously this, the, something's wrong. Like what is happening? How can I like track? How can I kind of change things to be in a way that actually favors me instead of hinders me, you know? Mm -hmm. And having that, like the biggest thing I can offer is just having that compassion and gentleness for yourself when you're doing that. And it's, we're often our biggest critics. So I'll go back to, if you, if you were your own best friend, like how would you talk to yourself? If your friend was feeling in pain or was feeling sick, I doubt any of us would be super harsh on her or tell her to like, stop it. Just, just cut it out. Like, this is ridiculous. You know, like we tend to talk to ourselves. She, they would probably like, you would probably nurture her and say like, Hey, what can I do for you? How can I help you? So I would encourage you to do that same thing with yourself. Um, and just another thing is focus on what makes you feel good, right? I remember when I was feeling bad quite a bit before I even got diagnosed, I felt like I was just consumed by this, maybe the negative what if, like you described, mm -hmm. and I was consumed in this place of just feeling really low energy and tired and sad. And then I started thinking, well, what if I just started like making a list of things that make me happy and just start doing those things more? And it really, really helped my mindset. Even though there were times I really didn't want to do them. Um, I was like, you know what? I kind of want to be trying to be a little bit more <laughs> happy right now instead of like hyper-focusing on my body and how I feel. It Maybe it was a distraction, right? Like I wanted to try to just focus on something happy for a little bit, which was productive to me. Yeah, well, and I think- those questions of possibility, like those positive what ifs, right? Like it can alter the entire course of your path and like the path that you're on and your healing journey and your thoughts and your emotions, because I'm sure everybody listening right now and myself included, we know how easy it is to get like pulled into that dark, deep hole of despair and pain and feeling like there's no way out. But this is why like having a coach or somebody 
or a best friend or somebody who you really admire, who's there to be your champion, right? Is so important because when you are in that deep, dark hole, it's easier for somebody else to shine that light on you and be like, you're not a piece of shit. You're not a burden. Like you are amazing. Look at all these amazing things you're doing and kind of like shine some light into that darkness for you. So you can start to see the light a little bit yourself too. Heck that's so, so important. Actually, it was because of a friend that I actually got surgery because I was home and I was feeling in that despair place. And I had somebody there that was like, Hey, have you ever checked endometriosis out? And she I had no energy at that point to really do much. I was like, I've heard about it. I don't really know too much. And she took my phone, took my health insurance, started looking up doctors Mm -hmm. and said, Hey, like, here you go. I have an appointment for you. So like, if I hadn't been around that friend, like who knows what would have happened. So I think that that support piece and finding people that really lift you up and that care um, and that you care about them too, is super, super important if you're trying to heal. My God, yes! Give that friend a huge hug. I know <laughs> what I tell all the time. I'm so thankful for you. <laughs> oh, seriously, and I, oh, I think this is a fabulous place to end. Just because I want to end on that. Is there any other things that you want to share with everybody? Any um, last words. Really, just the the compassion, the gentleness, and trusting yourself. And those are the three biggest things I can I can give you. And maybe like, you know, food might be like a small part of the equation, but it's so much bigger than like food and exercise stuff, which is what I teach in intuitive eating is just how to like make peace with your body and yourself and food and exercise. So if anybody is interested in more of the intuitive eating stuff, I would absolutely love to chat. And depending on when this airs, I have um, a masterclass that I'm leading on May 3rd that people can join via Zoom or in person if they live um, near Southboro, Massachusetts but it's just kind of to teach these basics of intuitive eating and developing like a better sense of self. Um, and then if, if it's past May 3rd that this gets released, I have probably another challenge I'm going to be doing at the end of May. So I hope uh, some people will join in if they're interested in intuitive eating. Okay, perfect. Yeah. And we'll put those, all those links and things below. Um, so how, and I'll put like how your Instagram and like everything all linked below. So if you guys are wanting in this challenge in the masterclass and you're wanting to connect Morgan, definitely 100%. I highly recommend it. And you can click the little links below the episode um, and go find her and follow her and get all up in that energy because this has been a freaking amazing conversation. Like you are such a light in this world and I'm so happy that you, that we met and like that you're on the podcast and I can't wait. I'm probably going to have you on again, just to chat more about love and light and compassion and all the things. (laughs) Oh, I would love that. I had such a great time chatting with you too. Like I said, dream come true because Chelsea was so huge in my own journey. Like that one episode I listened to like really helped my mindset so much, especially with the pain stuff. So thank you. Thank you for having me on. Oh, of course. Of course. Um, if anybody's listening and you did get something out of this episode, I'd love if you screenshot it, go ahead and take us both on Instagram, let us know what you got out of it and come say hi. And our DMS are always open. Um, but yeah, thank you again for coming on and I'll catch you on the next episode of the end of podcast. Oh, babe. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen today. I had so much fun and I'm so fucking grateful for every single one of you. If you thought that this was helpful or you loved any part of this podcast, I would love, love, love for you to screenshot it and post it on Instagram at Chelsea Bree, C-H-E-L-S-E-A-A-B-R-I and take 
take me. I would love to see what you're getting out of the episodes. It makes me so happy. I would also love it if you'd subscribe to the podcast and leave a review because that just helps other wonderful endo babes find me as well. I adore you and I believe that you don't deserve to feel like shit. You deserve to have a normal life despite endometriosis. So I love you so much and I hope you have a wonderful day and I'll catch you on next week's episode of the Endo Babe Podcast.